The year has begun for the politicians, well and truly, so we welcome our commentators. This morning it's Gareth Hughes and Ben Thomas. Kia ora kōrua. Kia ora morena. Morena. Gareth is a former Green MP, now works for the Wellbeing Economy Alliance Aotearoa and is not a member of any political party. Ben is a former National Government Press Secretary, a columnist and a director of public affairs firm Capital. Let's begin with um, National's First Caucus slash retreat, simply because it's gone from being a, a very skinny caucus to one with, I think, 22 new MPs. Uh, second, it's in the middle of the so-called 100-day plan, where um, it's got to look like it's done the things it was going to do. And it's making that transition from being the critic to now having the problems. What did you make of what you've seen so far on caucus discipline and and what you see as the challenges at the start of their year? Gareth? Yeah, well, it's one of these typical sort of rah-rah for the troops events where you try and manufacture a bit of media and the you know obligatory jokes about news resolutions and diets and all of that. You know, Christopher Luxon's message was was pretty anodyne in the sense that with this new caucus, he wants them to focus on teamwork, on the parliamentary work, on uh, their, their work in the electorates and communities. Listening to his speech, though, it was quite. I was quite struck how campaigny he was still in that sort of mindset and you know it was all sort of full of platitudes so you know focus on the things that matter to New Zealanders get the thing done back on track and my favourite actually deliver a set of deliverables you know these sort of bland sort of slogans were, were, went out there and we didn't see any new policy uh, we didn't see any detail and there's still some huge questions out there so very much a sort of kick off the year but kind of a nothing event yeah uh, he got stuck a little bit on um, the old gotcha question of um when will we know when we're back on track? And he said, we're not going to get there, which is actually an honest answer in some ways. But it goes, Ben, to the risk of, of using slogans. And we all remember, don't we, and I'm sure the former Prime Minister does, the year of the, the notorious year of delivery slogan. Um, that, that's right. And, and year of delivery was, I, I think, something that was sort of, you know, written on the back of a napkin and kind of passed to her in advance of her first press conference of the year uh, or her first round of media interviews as a sort of, you know, uh, how do we sum up what we're kind of trying to do? And so, you know, maybe that is a lesson that actually if you don't have anything to add to what is, you know, a pretty busy 100 days agenda, we've just had an, a, an election where they've sort of, you know, really kind of laid out the the masthead of what they stand for, that that you actually don't need to introduce anything particularly new at the caucus retreat in Christchurch. So you believe basically it ticks the box? Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's right. You know, it's um, <laughs> I, I think it is useful to look at it actually as what it is, which is, you know, an, an internal caucus um, instrument. You know, Luxon has been actually very careful about this. You know, right at the beginning of the, the formation of the government, he sort of rallied all of the, I think it was the ministers who first got it, and, and then, the, then the national uh, MPs, you know this kind of caution that that every every leader gives you know against arrogance against you know losing losing sight of what you're there for but i think you know in the same way that luxon you know because he's not a sort of natural uh, politician you know the same way that somebody like kira dern was you know, there are there are some probably positives out of that. You know, he's never going to be waylaid by sort of seductive, catchy slogans because he, he doesn't have them. You know, he's delivering the deliverables, and 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 for him, you know, 
not being arrogant. You know, it's it's the guy who you know reads thirty yeah. health self help books. He 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 knocks it down into a list. He you know he told his ministers, say thank you to the cleaners, to the drivers, to the security guards. You know, it makes it actions that people can actually take. Um, and and so you know, I think in that respect, he's off off to a good start. For delivering the deliverables is going to be the challenge, as we said. The hundred days, a lot of it's about what they're not doing, what they're undoing, Gareth. And now we heard this morning, Simeon Brown. Uh, who's facing what the hell to do about water and what the hell to do about councils' uh, cost burdens vis uh, vis water because they canned the previous policy, right? And this is going to run on and on and on. They've got the cost savings to resolve. They've got the ongoing debate about whether they can afford the tax cuts to resolve. When does the scrutiny, when does the heat come on? In other words, how long is the honeymoon going to be? Well, I think, you know, we, we see the poll uh, that, that came out recently, that there is still a honeymoon. Yes, know, a big nas- honeymoon. <laughs> a big honeymoon. And, you know, Nationals now, I think, um, polling the highest they've been since Simon Bridges was the leader over 40% quite, quite a number one, of years ago. Yeah, yeah. But, but you're right, you know, the rubber really hits the road and people will tire, much as they tired of, you know, nine long years. They'll tire of constantly hearing about what they're undoing, what they're scrapping. You're right, we saw Infrastructure New Zealand actually ask, well, where's the certainty around three waters? Our capital cities in the midst of a, a water crisis. How's the government actually going to help? You know, we've got the, the tax question, which was the glaring hole in the late last year mini-budget, the issue of interest deductibility and, you know, proposal that would be retrospective, which would cost $900 million. The clock's ticking on that one in particular. However, they're being framed by this this race uh, question at the moment. And sure, it was an opportunity for national to be on their own, but what we've seen is the headlines dominated by uh, New Zealand First Party, the yeah. ACT Party. They may not have regretted not being part of those headlines. Let's get to that, to the um, uh, national hui, which is a rare thing. And 10,000 people turned up. Uh, and it follows uh, you know, a lot of concern raised by a lot of uh, leadership within Māoridom over some of the new government's policies. Was it the right call for the Prime Minister to not be there, Ben Thomas, and if so, why? Yeah, I think it was, uh, both politically and also in terms of respecting the nature of the event. Um, you know, the Crown is a partner of uh, Iwi and Hapu uh, in, in the treaty, and, you know, the Prime Minister's office, just by its nature, has this kind of gravitational pull. So if the Prime Minister is there... You know, the attention focuses on him. What does he think about it? You know, that's where the press goes. Um, and and I think, you know, it's, 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 it's as a matter of basic courtesy. I think, you know, if, if there's courtesy a Courtesy was a political convenience because, of course, if the media are all over Christopher Lux and they're all over the difficult questions being asked about him and his coalition partner's policies. Well, I think, I think it certainly coincides with convenience in the sense that you don't want to sort of put yourself into the lion's den um, to answer all of those questions, essentially, which in, in a large part will be answering, uh, you know, questions that you would rather were put to your coalition partners. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that if you have something which is about Māori coming together, you know, whether on an iwi level, hapu level, um, and individuals flocking, you know, from all corners of the country, you don't want to make it about um, the National Party leader or the the Prime Minister. Um, but I, I think that's fair enough. Gareth, you know, your take? Oh, well, I think it was, yeah, more convenience uh, and politics. I mean, it would have been such a, a strong, symbolic step had of uh, Luxon gone and listened. I understand what Ben's saying around the gravity of the, the office. However, Rosa Luxon's walking a fine line. We've seen the Treaty Principles Bill, you know, causing mass outrage in, in Māori, or across the entire country. And, you know, s- 
promoted by his coalition partners and he's saying he's not going to support it to second reading. He's sort of caught between his coalition partners and the sort of more diplomatic tone that we saw Tama uh, Potaka take on Morning Report this morning. Uh, they really risk getting squeezed between yep. the two and he could have gone. However, Christopher Luxon, sorry, Christopher Hipskins, by not going, you know, really blunted that potential line of attack for Labour. You think he should have been there? Well, I think it would have been quite a strong step for, for the two leaders. I mean, remember, this hasn't happened for 12 years and the fact that 10, 12,000 people were able to go at such short notice over the holiday period, I think, you know, just shows the, the strength of healing amongst Māoridom. The other thing is, this is this is another illustration of this, Tama Potaka, who's the Māori Development Minister and a brand new MP, being asked on Morning Report this morning, will you resign if that piece of legislation does go beyond a first reading and couldn't answer it? I mean, he's really, Dan Bidwell was there as well, I know, but he's really being thrown out there, isn't he, to, to carry this for national? Oh, he really is, and you know, full credit to him, he seems to be doing a pretty good job. He came across as quite uh, moderate, diplomatic, um, absolutely counter to the language we see from Shane Jones calling it you know, a moan fest and you know, David Seymour going on around white supremacy. Um, I thought he did quite a good job, but this is the position, position National finds themselves in. Act in New Zealand First are using this sort of resentment, resentment populism, as John Campbell yeah. called in quite a beautiful piece. And, and this is the, you know, look, and this is the issue. This is the election result that was served yep. up for National. Seymour, you know, so, sorry, the Seymour you, reference to white supremacy was that the fact that there was an accusation of it being a white supremacist government, and he was presumably right, yep. came out and said, yep. "Yeah, uh, said what." I oh. think he was refuting it, but I think it was Dale Tikatimu who said it at the um, Hui. Understood. And, and, okay. and, and, and I mean, it's, yeah, look, there's there's a lot of ground to be made um, on the fringes on both sides by sort of exploiting the the kind of gap between academic definitions of white supremacy and the popular understanding. Shane Jones did seem in the TV clip I saw uh, on one news, I think it was, stopped in his tracks a bit about the size of this national Hui, as Gareth pointed out, mobilised so quickly. And perhaps indicative of the strength of feeling, Gareth. And and was that underestimated? I think it was quite interesting how he did change his tone afterwards. You know, early on they were looking at maybe 3,000, 4,000 people was the original catering estimates. And, you know, we saw a, a mass of people flocked there and, you know, standing room only. So it showed there was clear unanimity and the King Tehatia's message for Kotahitanga for unity really does seem yeah. to be taken up and you know New Zealand First will be at Ratana, though are we at Waitangi so we've got this continued flow on of events. What of the Treaty Principles Bill uh, Gareth I don't know if you want to do a, a general uh, declaration because I know you work for a number of uh, iwi groups in your professional life uh, just let's know if there's any other interests that need to be declared with respect to that but this Treaty Principles Bill an aspect of it was uh, leaked by Te Pāti Māori, and then One News said it had the whole um, report. This was the Justice Ministries. Again, uninvited from memory, <laughs> because um, I thought the government was going to skip some of the official reviews of, of the proposed legislation. But anyway, the Justice Ministry raising some issues, or certainly pointing out the issues that would surround this particular bill. Now, when does this really start to become central, perhaps, to the new government's early days, this particular debate? It is at the moment, Ben, and is it likely going to stay that way? Yeah, so uh, first of all, as you mentioned, um, I work for a number of iwi. um, uh, But, yeah, look, I think it's already, you know, it's already uh, been front and centre. 
uh, you know, ACT, I think, will probably be happy that their bill has managed to push some of those New Zealand first uh, anti-Māori policies kind of out of the way that we're getting a lot of the limelight uh, before Christmas, you know, about, you know, those sort of direction, those kind of curmudgeonly directions about, you know, primarily using English in government departments and renaming Waka Kotahi and things like that. Um, and, and, you know, this is, again, you know, the unfortunate position that National finds itself in, you know, a, a party led by somebody who is a pretty moderate, progressive person who sees himself as a sort of uniter of the country, um, with two coalition partners on either side, each trying to crowd into that kind of um, re- slightly reactionary vote. Um and and look, you know, it, it will it will suck up a lot of oxygen. It's designed to, right? That was the kind of trade off that they seem to have reached. Luxon said throughout the campaign and even throughout the negotiations, where he was otherwise very tight lipped about what was happening, that he would not be supporting um, Act's proposed referendum to change the treaty principles. And so, you know, just as a reminder, that would take these the principles of the treaty, like partnership, active protection, that have been developed through the courts and that the the crown binds itself to in some legislation. It would replace those with new principles, um, one of which in particular would just sort of basically erase the the, the, the sort of presence of Māori as tangata whenua as having any sort of special um, position um, under the law and you know, Māori groups, you know. And, you know, Luxon was dead against it. He said it's not going to happen. In the end, you know, the, the realities of the negotiations won out. He needed to get New Zealand First and Act over the line. He had to make a lot of concessions. In the heat of the negotiations, as a business person, Luxon would probably be thinking, well, actually, I got away without having to concede much. We've got these symbolic things like names of government departments, and I've got a bill that, on a referendum that I only have to progress to select committee and no further. I haven't made any commitment beyond that. But, of course, the rhetorical effect of it and the effect on the atmosphere and this is just the, the ambient background of New Zealand is this is it's a government whose co- coalition agreements are pretty hostile to Māori interests and aspirations. Um, and, and so, you know, it has been in the main, you know, at the forefront. It's going to make, stay at the forefront because that was the trade-off Seymour made yeah. is that he's probably not going to pass the bill, but what he will get is a big discussion about it. He's saying, we'll have the debate at the select committee. Um, so he, he wants it in, he wants that debate to happen. A lot of the people who are at the hui, uh, hui Amotu want that debate to happen because they think that the current principles are just a sort of, you know, warmed up halfway house, uh, and, you know, and they want something, you know, much closer to, more closer to sort of equal power sharing. Um, so I think, you know, people will enthusiastically go into this debate and, and it will stay pretty front and centre. Look, the question is, Gareth, whether it happens, and if you're interested, you're interested, and if you're not, you're not. That was certainly not the case with the foreshore and seabed, which is different in some ways because um, I remember it being described as a primal scream at the time, actually, not long after the whole, you know, around the whole kind of Don Brash era. Um, but also, um, the implications were going to impact everybody one way or another, Māori in particular, uh, but the argument was all New Zealanders one way or another. Do you think there'll be the same level of hot engagement from the general populace in this? Yeah, I do. And it is almost as if the history is being rewritten and Don Brash won the 2005 election and we're in the situation today. But this is becoming like the flagship of a raft of as um, Ben put it, hostile to Māori interests in this country policies. And Tama Potaka was not able to definitively say they wouldn't support it. He was continually saying, we, we haven't seen the legislation. Uh, we know David Seam was going out Paul there. Paul Goldsmith 
if he was interpreted correctly, was a bit more direct on that. But David Seymour's going around the country telling people he's going to do his best to persuade them. So this is, you know, like the foreshore in Seabed, we're literally talking about renegotiating the treaty and what this leaked proposal... The treaty foreshore in Seabed, that was... That was um uh, common law, but carry on. True, but uh, this is, you know, what basically this outrageous proposal is that ACT is suggesting to rewrite the principles of the treaty with ACT's own policy and effectively renegotiate this historical constitutional uh, foundational document. And that's why people are going to be so okay. incensed. And it's on the back of all the other policies that are happening. All right. Very positive first poll for National. Everyone talking about the grains of salts needed because uh, people were on holiday and having a break from hearing about all this. Uh, So look, it came in pretty healthily. I think New Zealand first vote might have uh, shrunk a little. I think that was the main move. Uh, But again, we're talking one poll at a strange time. So let's move on and see what happens when more come in. Uh, The Gonwas Gutterman departure and the politics of it. I think you're on record, Gareth, saying this was not very well handled as a uh, public kind of information exercised by the Greens. Are you still in the same position on that? Yeah, and acknowledging how difficult it was with her being overseas, with the holiday period. You know, we have phones and we have Zoom. Well, that's right, and the, the party should have dealt with this internally first. Failing that, should have front-footed it earlier, uh, got goal, uh, Ms Garman to, to make a statement earlier. Uh, but the fact is, you know, at least they were able to draw a line under it, and they'll be hoping that you know, people weren't paying attention over summer and that they can, can move on. Interesting, though, that the debate's sort of moving on now, that it was so framed around mental health and the pressures of parliamentarians. We've now seen a host of other commentators come out. Are you surprised by that? Because people's mental health is impacted when their lives go through a crisis like this. Every errant MP who moved on last term, their mental health is under strain. What people are beginning to take exception to is this being their first port of call um, and Obviously, people's mental health issues are always a priority and their care a priority. But that argument ran very heavily ahead of what people are now saying. Um, And and again, that may have been a strategic move posed as advice, it may be genuinely held belief, but it's hardly surprising people are having a different perspective. Well, and we saw an outflowing of support initially for, for Ms Garman and you know, the concerns around the pressures of particularly female and uh, women of colour politicians, and now we've seen this blowback against it as well. But you know, it, it is true, and it's a sad reality of our politics in New Zealand, that the types of messages that she and other female politicians get is disgusting. Yes, and I think the other argument is that you have to shoplift, and this is when we're getting into the intricate details of a particular psychological behaviour that none of us are qualified to talk about. Ben, your take on the way this has been handled um, and, and its implications. Obviously, the implications for the former MP are extreme, but its implications beyond that for the Greens. Yeah, look, I don't think they'll be that great. Uh, I think Gareth's right. It would have been better had uh, Gutterman resigned earlier, you know, probably at the first uh, available opportunity, um, you know, just before New Year's or whatever. Um it seems it seems strange to sort of string it out. On the other hand, if you've got an MP who is under a lot of pressure, as a lot of them are, if they're faced with you know, a career-ending sort of situation like this, you know, the leaders themselves are actually a little powerless in that situation and have to play it quite carefully, particularly since I think we're still a little unclear about, you know, what was able to be said publicly yeah. in any case. Yeah. Um, so, look, I... Honestly, it, it I don't think complex. anyone will hold it against the yeah. co-leaders. Yeah, look, it was it was uh, it was complex, and as we said, catastrophic for that uh, MP's uh, career, and also dealing with all the consequences of it. Okay, 
What also snuck out, I can't remember, it was just before or just after Christmas, the government decisions on the electoral review and the big headlines were a, a no to lowering the voting age. But what else was in that review and what, if anything, survived? Oh, well, look, there were 140 recommendations in the final one and, you know, I feel a bit jaded by these. They come around feeling Political so often. is another one, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. And nothing much ever seems to change. But yeah. there was a, a, a large reform package around donations. Mm. Interestingly, the proposal from the original was kept, which was that entities, so only individuals and citizens, could donate, which, interestingly, you know, Labour's come out in support of it, even though they would be the biggest loser if this policy you know, change happened with the donations from the unions in particular and to Party Māori from donations from iwi. Look, I, I think it's unlikely we're going to see the donation changes go through in any major form. What was interesting, which was a new recommendation that popped in, was the idea of sort of a fiscal office, which has slowly over time gained support amongst the parties, the idea that you have an independent body to provide advice and maybe even vet some of the, you know, the fiscal documents that parties propose. I mean, it would be great if something like that went through, but the fact is that David Seymour has killed much of this on behalf of uh, the government, you know, unilaterally ruling things out. All right. Ben? Yeah, look, I, I, I don't expect, like Gareth said, you know, these, these sort of come around like the Auckland Link bus every sort of um, hour and a half or so. And um, I, I don't expect to see big changes as a result. Um, yeah. All right. Thanks both, as always, for your time. Much appreciated. Gareth Hughes and Ben Thomas.